Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. You can trust Indeed as a hiring partner because they want the same thing that you do, finding quality candidates. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Yes, we're back. We are back, man. I realize we haven't had a show for about two weeks, but then technically because of how things are falling, it's basically been three weeks, but this is episode 201. And in case you're wondering, I was at CES all last week, so that took up basically eight days of being able to be fortunate enough to actually be able to host CES. They had me host the entire show, all the digital content for people that stayed home. And normally CES brings around uh, 175,000 people in person to the event. This year, it was only 40,000. So we're talking about a little less than a fourth that amount, but it made it so easy to walk around, so easy to navigate. The booths that came and showed up brought their A game. The innovation and the products that were shown off were exactly like any CES. So yes, people were being safe. People didn't come out because of COVID, but The show was just as good as it's ever been, and in a lot of ways, you were able to talk to more people, spend more time at booths. There weren't 50 to 100 people crowding around a single thing that you're trying to take a shot of, and uh, I had a really great time. So, you know, the reality is I told some of our uh, Patreon supporters here, I was able to go because of you all, right? If, If you, the people that support my content, my podcast, allow me to keep on doing this, you know, if they don't see that I still have an audience and I still have skin in the game, I'm still putting out content, I don't get that gig. And so I can only say thank you to you, the listeners. And, uh, you know, it's it's like this ecosystem that we're all a part of. So CES kept me busy last week, but we've got a whole bunch of stuff for this week. So you know that we will be talking about Apple news galore. But first, be a part of the show. All you got to do is call in, record a voice memo, Show at gmail.com. Send it in your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about. We're gearing up for this year now, and the the expectation is that there will be some sort of event sometime maybe in March or April. That's where things are going to start getting rolling. So until then, a lot of speculation, but that means a lot of stories for this week. And then this show is obviously brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content. It's how you support this show. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to 5 which is a cup of coffee, $10.25 or the $100 platinum Apple level. And what do you get? early access to content, benefits at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of this show. Plus, we did an exclusive Zoom. We do it every month, uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes and deep dive back and forth with me from, you know, right after CES. So, you know, if you're a tech fan and you love doing that stuff, hey, be a part of it. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right, should we get to the show now, everybody? Yes, let's do it because we haven't done it for a couple weeks, and there's... There's so much going on. Yes, there's iPhone stuff. There's Apple Watch stuff. But I think the latest news that just popped, you know, kind of earlier today is that it's all about the Apple AR VR headset, right? We're getting more and more buzz about it this year. The expectation would be that, hey, it's coming by the end of 2022. That that was at least initially the target. Well, that's probably changed now because according to the latest report from Bloomberg and Mark Gurman, Apple's long rumored AR VR headset can now be delayed until 2023 after being hit by issues during the development process. Now, some of the issues appear to be related to overheating 
as well as with its camera and software challenges, according to the report. Early reports had also said that the device itself is reportedly going to feature two chips. One of those chips would be on par with the M1 Pro from the latest MacBook Pro models, kind of the entry-level MacBook Pro models, which is already a ridiculous beast. And according to reports, the thermal demands of this chip are believed to be causing some of the overheating issues. Again, these are this is a headset, and it's not you know the minimalist glasses. It's a lot smaller space, and there's not as much cooling at all. So that could be one of the issues. The other, I did mention two chips. One would be the M1 Pro. One would be reportedly kind of a low power chip. And initially, we had thought and had heard that hey, Apple was going to offload the work of these this headset to the iPhone. But all reports are now saying that this is a standalone headset that will not be dependent on the iPhone at all, according to the reports. So that that makes it even more interesting. Now, here's the thing, though. The company had initially targeted the headset to be announced sometime in 2021 and then maybe ship it later in 2022. That got pushed out. Then Apple reportedly had set its sight on WWDC 2022 to at least launch the product. And then, you know, maybe we'd see it by the end of the year. Well, now it looks like it could be coming most likely right now. And this date could always shift late 2022 with a release, actual physical release in 2023. Now, according to the report, Apple's also told their supply chain partners specifically for these glasses to still have units available by the end of 2022 for manufacturing. So things like the cameras for the headset are supplied by LG Innotech, and they're due to be in production as early as the second quarter of this year. But these potential heating issues and software issues may be the challenge. Now, the other thing to remember is a recent report had claimed that earlier, the from Ming-Chi Kuo, just I think within the past week, that the Apple ARVR headset was expected to use the same 96-watt power adapter as the MacBook Pro, which would indicate that there's going to be a lot of power in here, and that is also the same 96-watt power adapter that is linked up with the M1 Pro MacBook Pro. So clearly this thing is going to be a beast when it comes to power, but now it could rely, what, what could be holding up is some of the cooling issues. The other reports earlier in the week was that Apple is planning this to not be an all-day device, so something to use in doses. And internally, Apple has said that the idea of this metaverse is completely off-limits internally at Apple. And that aligns with what I've been saying for the longest time. You know, why would Apple, does Apple feel like they're missing out if they're not participating in the metaverse? The metaverse is the buzz. That's what all these tech companies want you to talk about. That's what everyone wants you to jump on because they have the most to gain from the metaverse. I think that the metaverse, I'm not writing it off, but you know, hearing stories of how they're selling real estate and there's a land grab within the metaverse, guess who's doing it? Not people like you and me. It's again, the high-end rich, rich tech bros that are all in for the metaverse because they have the most to gain, right? I don't hear general consumers and it's a long ways away from my mom even caring about this thing. But the general consumer that I come across is not excited about the metaverse. It's only in these tech circles where some people are really excited about it. Me, I'm lukewarm on it. So Apple's approach, like I had kind of said earlier, is 
It's got to be something that's going to enhance how you live. It's not about the metaverse. It's going to be more about augmented reality and information. No one has confirmed this yet, but the metaverse is not where Apple's going with this. And if it's not going to be an all-day device, first of all, I don't think any headset is an all-day device even now. I've talked about it. I love the Quest 2, but that's something I use for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. 30 minutes tops if I'm, you know, deep into Beat Saber. So don't expect anything, you know, I it it is a, is it a little bit of a bummer? Yeah. But do we want this product to be a finished product? Yes. The rumors and reports are that it's going to be roughly $3,000 launch price. Uh the Quest 2 is starting price is 299 for the 128 gig version. So if Apple's going to be selling this headset even at $3,000 right out of the gates, even if it blows your mind, which I don't expect it to blow blow our minds, but probably be cool. $3,000 is not a target price that even the above average to, you know, better off Apple user is going to drop, throw down money for. It's going to be really more kind of like a concept car for their vision of a headset. So this is not going to, don't expect that to sell either. Will, will I want to try it? Absolutely. Will I personally, personally put down the coin for it for myself? Um, I'll review it, but my hunch is probably not. You know, as someone who's who also loves kind of the history and collects some of these things, it's got to do something pretty special, pretty darn special to put down $3,000 for it. In addition to knowing that PlayStation just announced their VR2 headset, we haven't seen it, but the specs on it look incredible. There's going to be another generation of the Oculus Quest coming, most likely, maybe sometime by the end of this year as well. So there's a lot of momentum in this space for the tech enthusiasts, and it's starting to creep over to the general consumer. We've seen you know, one of the buzz products, the hot products for the holiday season that people got was actually a Quest 2. I can't tell you how many people said, oh, I got my first Quest 2. So we're starting to see that tipping point where it is becoming a lot more familiar and a lot more comfortable as a tech piece or a piece of people's lives for for consumers. We're not there yet, but it is slowly but surely it's getting there. I, you know, I don't even I don't even think the whole at least in its current form, the whole augmented reality headset is kind of the next the next device, right? We're just on we're just a week or two away out from the iPhone's 15th anniversary from when it was announced at Macworld on January 9th. Um, I was there. I was fortunate enough to be there. That was a product that revolutionized the game, right? It cha- Every smartphone that you see today is derivative of that first vision and has improved on and evolved, but, but that changed everything. So are, do you all think that AR, VR headsets are going to change everything? I don't think so. I, I'm not, I think it'll become more mainstream over time, but I don't think that is the portable personal device that is going to be the next big thing. Maybe we haven't even seen it yet. Maybe it is the watch down the road if, if it can do some more than incredible things, but we're not there yet. But still fascinating. So right as of right now, Apple VR, AR VR headset potentially now pushed out to 2023 and if that's what it's going to take to make it a finished product, then they should push it out to 2023 because it's going to be $3,000 either way. All right, let's talk iPhone. Ooh, there was so much buzz, so much buzz 
around the iPhone over the past few days. It was all surrounding the new design and this idea of, okay, well, we've heard rumors that maybe there'll be a punch hole camera for, you know, the iPhone 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max. Then uh, a tweet by reputable leaker Dylan DKT said, oh, it's not going to be a punch hole. It's going to be a pill. It's going to be a pill shape because it's going to need to see more than just a single camera and the face ID would be under the screen around that. So then all these renders dropped of what could the iPhone look like if it had a notch versus this pill shaped. And then Ross Young, display analyst extraordinaire who's who really is connected well and has shown over time that he has very reliable information when it comes to the, these displays said, oh, no, 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 it's not a punch hole. It's going to be a punch hole. Sorry, it's not a pill. No, 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 it's going to be it is going to be a pill, but it's also going to have a punch hole next to the pill. So you're going to have two dots, a pill-shaped hole and a punch hole. And then, and we've seen this on other phones before, all right? Uh, And then the other thing is that if you think of like a pill shape as a longer opening, and then you have just a punch hole, which is like a dot, and if you turn the phone sideways, then it would actually be the, the letter I. Like, it would actually be the iPhone. So... That's been all the latest buzz around what we'll see with the iPhone 14. Still, the iPhone 14 standard models are expected to have the notch, but the iPhone 14 Pro models, based on the current reports that are unofficial, claim that we will see a pill-shaped hole next to a punch hole on those models. The other latest reports around the iPhone 14, um, according to a research note from Haitong International Securities claims that all iPhone 14 models, Pro or Standard, will feature the ProMotion displays at 120 hertz. Remember this past year for the iPhone 13 lineup, only the 13 Pro models had it. So looking at 2022's iPhone lineup, it's expected that all of them will have the smooth-like butter ProMotion display two or three years after Android phones have had it. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Uh, Also, there were reports that pro phone models for 2022 would be equipped with 8 gigs of RAM, but according to reports, all four iPhone 14 models expected to come with 6 gigs of RAM. So that would be an increase for the standard iPhone 14 models, but the pro models this past year also had 6 gigs of RAM. So that's your kind of like your iPhone your your latest iPhone 14 rumors and scoops. But, you know, I talked about earlier how we're expecting to see an event come around March or April. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman reported that Apple is currently planning to hold this event sometime, whether it's late March or early April. I mean, we've seen that kind of early spring event happen every year now. So according to Bloomberg, one of the products that will be featured and is expected to be shown at this event will be a new third generation iPhone SE. Now, this iPhone SE would still have pretty much the same design that's based on the iPhone 8 design, which means you get that Touch ID home button. You still get the big bezels on the top and the bottom. And so that form factor doesn't change, but the biggest change would really be the internals. You get a new processor. We don't know if it's going to be an A15 or they're going to give it an A16, just to kind of keep current with you. You obviously have the latest OS and then 5G connectivity for this new iPhone SE that's expected sometime in 2022. It may not appeal to everyone, but 
you know, that's what we're expecting. The other thing that we may or may not see is wh- where are the new Macs in all this? You, you can't just hold an event and it just be about the iPhone SE. It's got to be about Macs as well. Will we see finally the first look at the rumored MacBook Air or MacBook, depending on what they call it? Will we see anything about a Mac Mini, an iMac Pro, um, even just upgrades, processor upgrades to some of the other lines? I don't think we'll see a Mac Pro at this event. It would I would be surprised if we did. And if they do anything with the MacBook Pros, uh, I don't think they'll do a speed bump just because they just dropped the M1 Max Pro and M1, sorry, the M1 Max and the M1 Pro in there. I don't think they need a speed bump in them for 2022. You know, maybe this is something that we see a speed bump every year or i mean sorry every two years for those lineups depending on how the rotation is um but we'll see we'll see all right thanks again to indeed for supporting the apple bits xl podcast look if you're successful in business it's because you probably love doing the research whether it's you know the state of the market or the next right hire but when you're low on hours and you still want to do a great job on hiring who are you going to go to hell for it's time for indeed now if you're hiring you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Now, Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours and hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like their Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. And with Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Now, the feature that I think is the most important, that I think is the most helpful, that's going to save you the most time if you're looking for help is easily Instant Match because, look, time is precious. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent according to Comscore Indeed is the number one job site worldwide and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to Talentness. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's talk, let's talk Apple Watch. You want to talk about Apple Watch? Well, I know I do. So the big question here is, what is the Apple Watch going to actually bring in 2022? You know, I've said it before, it's kind of right now hitting a plateau because we're not really getting, you know, much big changes year to year. Yes, we did get a design change that brought a larger one millimeter watch face and they, you know, offered two new watch faces that actually take advantage of it. Um, there was no new complete redesign to kind of be more boxy and flat and and follow along uh, with kind of the design language we've seen with the iPhone and the iPad, um, which we've heard about for so long. But if you're hoping that this year's Apple Watch would finally kind of make that leap for the next great health sensors to come, you might want to hold off and let's just kind of lower those expectations because earlier, you know, I, I've I've kind of been very cautious about saying, oh, blood glucose and blood pressure coming because 
specifically blood glucose monitoring, that requires testing for more than a year. It requires multiple approvals for us to get it. And this was, even when they said, oh, they were working on it, the fact that we haven't even heard them actually testing it, um, you know, having case studies means we're probably still at least two years away. Now, one of the sensors that was potentially on this year's Apple Watch 8, have I been saying iPhone earlier? I hope not, was a body temperature scanner, which was at least earlier believed to be on this year's roadmap. But according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, the chatter has slowed down so much that that may not even make it. If you're talking about blood pressure on the Apple Watch, which is on Samsung's current Galaxy Watch lineup, blood pressure, according to him, is at least two or three years away. And blood glucose monitoring isn't expected to land until the second half of the decade. Not, not, not this year of the decade, which would indicate the second half of the decade starts in 2026. So, and that completely makes sense to me if you think about this more logically. Blood glucose monitoring, whatever the sensor is that they have working and testing, and there have been other reports of it would, you know, this advanced sensor that they're working on um, would also have blood alcohol measurement and a variety of others, even maybe body mass. Um, If it's the all-in-one ultimate sensor, there's going to have to be a lot of testing that's done on that. And the second half, of the decade 2026 would be the potential chance that we see blood glucose monitoring and nothing before that and that that is really where you see the revolution of the apple watch but it feels like to me that there's not enough tech that can make it in time for us to see significant yearly updates with the apple watch now and that's okay right it's okay for things to slow down i'm not saying we need something new every year in fact for me I've got to imagine if they're going to do anything different with the Apple Watch, it might be aligned with something like uh, get, get us better battery life. Um, the, the biggest hole that they could kind of sell as a new feature is sleep monitoring. Sleep monitoring did not change or offer us any more in-depth insights or value from the Apple Watch Series 6 to the Apple Watch Series 7. That was kind of a, to me, that was a miss. You know, it's kind of a shame. We also had Apple acquire um, the Bedit Sleep Monitor. Jeez, I think about, was it four years, five years ago? Okay, let me check here. Five years ago, okay. So Apple acquired Bedit. They had like a sensor that goes in your bed, kind of this long, elongated, I don't want to call it a pad, but let's just call it like a long, like flat thing. And then it would tie into, um, you know, and measure your activity and then show it on an app. So they acquired Bedit, but they've now uh, taken that product off and stopped, have stopped selling it. So my, my thinking is that whatever they have been working on with Bedit will get integrated into the Apple Watch for better sleep monitoring directly from Apple in 2022. I think if they can sell us on significantly better battery life and better sleep monitoring, just knowing how the Apple Watch is, that that's probably going to be the biggest improvements. Do we need to see a brand new design? Maybe they offer finally the rugged Apple Watch. So that gives us kind of another kind of three things to be on the lookout for. I don't know if they will or not. It, no one has said that the rugged Apple Watch is coming this year. But at the very least, if we can get better battery life and better sleep tracking, that sounds good to me. The thing is that better sleep tracking feels like it should come in an OS improvement because all the hardware and sensors 
really technically are the same. And if they only do it for the Series 8, well, I'm not upgrading to the Series 8 just for that. You know, there's plenty of other third-party apps that actually do a great job. I think the biggest issue also that Apple has, it's not an issue, but it's a trend, is that people aren't using apps on their Apple Watch like they are on their phone. And that's okay, right? The phone is a lot more involved. It's a bigger screen. When Apple launched the Apple uh launched the Apple Watch, there's kind of this promise that all these developers would come on with super important apps and the apps have now geared towards really maybe more messaging, uh, music playing, podcast playing, and maybe more active workouts like, you know, workout apps that track things. You know, you have the surf app, you have the golf app, just more activity based, not like going on Yelp or going on Twitter. There's, there's apps like that, like Twitter and eBay. They stopped using the Apple Watch. I actually liked Twitter on the Apple Watch, honestly. Uh, Uber recently just discontinued their Apple Watch app. You Believe it or not, whether you did or not, I never did. You could call an Uber from your Apple Watch. So you're starting to see you know, Twitter, Instagram, eBay, all these other apps that no longer work on the Apple Watch. And it's, it's a sign of kind of a mass exodus from app developers supporting the Apple Watch. So what you're really doing is using Apple's own apps. You know, For me now, it's really about checking out messages and closing my rings. And then if I go surfing, I haven't, I don't subscribe to Dawn Patrol because I don't go surfing enough. I, I would totally use the Apple Watch for surfing if I could. And if you're a hiker or a runner or an athlete, I think the Apple Watch is amazing for that as well and the different apps that you use. But for your general consumer, you're probably not using that many apps on it. And it shows, I mean, how many times you actually hit that button and sought out a specific app? Pretty much the only things that I really check on are the complications. So. It's not a surprise and it's not a worry. It's just how we have used it. But really now, this product, in order for it to evolve, we're waiting on the health sensors to get it to that next level. And will we see that? I don't know. Hopefully we do. Let's talk iPad Pro. Okay, so remember, well, I guess we're talking iPads in general. Now, last year there was all this hubbub and talk about, oh, the Apple is going to switch from mini LED and make the jump to OLED right away. And there are even reports that, oh, maybe something like the iPad Air would be the first iPad to get an OLED display. And for the record, there is OLED displays on the Samsung Galaxy Tab lineup, okay? And it looks amazing. So we have mini LED. Yes, mini LED does have some blooming. That can show up in specific situations, but overall, the display is significantly improved and it's still better to me than an LCD display because you can get those really great, a lot better, deeper blacks. Um, OLED is the deepest blacks that you'll find. It, it doesn't get as bright as other displays, but you, you get those closer to truer colors. But if you put mini LED and OLED side by side these days, um, unless you really put them side by side and you really look at some content closely, in general, you're probably not going to notice and they both look great. Well, according to reports, OLED may be coming back to the iPad, maybe, because initially it was planned for the iPad Air, according to reports. The elect does confirm that there was an abandonment of earlier plans for OLED iPads, and part of that was really about not only developing the technology for it, but Samsung Display was the partner they were working at with being able to meet Apple's strict requirements at the technology and kind of passing the benchmarks at Apple. We've always heard of how Apple has typically has more stringent requirements um, with their components and parts 
Not all of them per se, but in general. So developing those displays, having them meet the requirements, and then also the prop at the proper price for those panels is what broke down the idea of having an OLED display in 2022. So now there's reports that we could see potentially OLED displays come back, but now in 2024, because they're back working together to try and do that. Reports have even said, hey, the OLED displays could get as large as 15 inches, but they're they're nowhere in any conversation of saying, oh, these are going to be put into laptops, these are going to be put into every iPad. It, it seems more iPad geared first, but if this were to happen, the idea and thinking was that with these next-gen manufacturing processes, that OLED could still be back in the game, but maybe first to be shown in 2024, or... Not at all. So if you're hoping and holding out for an iPad and thinking, oh, OLED's coming, it's not coming anytime soon. If we're sticking with the iPad and let's talk iPad Pro, there had been reports earlier um, in the year that Apple was working on potentially a glass back or a glass surface for the future iPad Pro to allow it to have wireless charging capabilities. Well, in its most recent Bloomberg report, German says that the new current iPad Pro targeted for 2022 is still on track to feature wireless charging. You know, they Apple may have ultimately like scrapped this entire glass back design, and that was because of it potentially being more susceptible to breaking. But the latest report says that prototypes of the iPad Pro now could involve having a larger Apple logo on the back made of glass which would still allow for wireless charging. One of the prototypes in the report is said to feature MagSafe even with stronger magnets than on the iPhone to prevent accidental damage. It's also said to support faster wireless charging speeds compared to MagSafe on the iPhone if you're talking about the wireless charging on the iPad Pro. Now, there is no guarantee this is actually going to come out yet, but what what really can they do with the iPad Pro right now to entice people to buy it? More for me, it's more functionality, it's more apps, it's already a beast of a machine. I is it cool to have wireless charging? Can I charge my iPhone on my iPad? Do people really want to do that? Does that really matter? Cool, it's a feature that's there, but that's not a compelling enough reason for me to upgrade an iPad Pro. And I already had told you all that I overall, after time has gone on, I've been a little disappointed. Um, that I pulled the trigger, even though, yes, the mini LED display is better. I'm, I'm a little disappointed and, you know, a little let down by the iPad in 2021. It's still one of my favorite products, but it just I just don't use it any different at all. And that's okay, right? But as someone who kind of bought into the idea that, oh, you got an M1 in it. Oh, you got the OLED display. Oh, here we go. We're ready to uncork this thing. Uh, it never got uncorked. So that's that's where my issue is. Another issue that I have, maybe outside of the Apple ecosystem, but you'll see how we tie this back together. I don't know if you heard, but Netflix is again raising prices for all of their plans. Now, this this feels like it happens every almost every year, but it at least according to the timetable, I saw someone said, oh, it's been 440 plus days since Netflix did their last price hike. So what it is is that the basic streaming plan is going to be basically the basic plan is going to be $1 more expensive. So currently it's $8.99 per month. So this basic plan allows you to watch on one screen at a time. Um, 
You can have downloads on one phone or one tablet at a time. You still get the unlimited movies and access to content. Um, there is no Ultra HD stream, and there's no HD streams for the basics. So most people are typically going to be at the standard plan, which is normally $13.99. That's going to jump up to $15.49. So that's up a dollar and a half, basically. You get two screens you can watch at the same time, two devices you can watch on, unlimited movies, TVs, mobile games, watch on your laptop, yeah, but also HD available. Now, the premium plan, which is currently $17.99, which is the one that I'm locked in at right now, it is now going to bump up $2 to $19.99. Four screens you can watch at the same time, so a lot of times people kind of share their account with their family. Four phones or tablets. You get access to all their content. You can watch on your laptop, TV, phone, and tablet as well. For the This is for the standard premium. And then also Ultra HD, the 4K content is available. I'm sorry, I got to go 4K. I always do. It looks good on bigger screens, even if it's still streaming. So Netflix at the high end is just under $20 at $19.99. And, you know, how many... The reality is how many of us are watching are telling people you got to see this show on Netflix versus you got to see this show on TV now. And I'm not saying TV, I'm not even saying HBO, like just regular TV. I barely watch anything on standard TV other than the Equalizer. I don't know about y'all. I love the Equalizer. And um, I will admit, maybe sometimes I watch The Bachelorette. Sometimes, not all the time. Man, am I really saying this out loud? I probably should keep my uh, TV taste. But Though, other than live, really, I'm, I'm keeping TV for live sports, okay? So, does Netflix have enough content that's warranted at $20 per month? You know, you know that they're going to keep on pushing higher every, pretty much every year or so. What, what is the threshold where we say no? Because I, even at that, I don't think anyone's saying no yet. Is it the $25 threshold? Or I think if they get to $30, that's when everyone's like, hell no. But I think if they break... eventually, which they're going to get right up to over time. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. That's a lot for a single streaming service. And then you have someone like Apple, who has Apple TV Plus. And, you know, think about, fine, they don't have nearly the amount of content, but what can they do? Like, what can they do to catch up? Well, according to reports, Apple is now on an aggressive hunt to potentially land deals to allow it to broadcast exactly what I watch, live sports. They're trying to get live sports content on TV Plus to help boost their subscription numbers. Now, this is tricky, right? Because different rights are with different companies. I think Major League Baseball, Amazon is swooping in and getting some of the rights to air live MLB games. But, um, you know, Apple never acquired a major movie studio when there were so many rumors that they could, and what they're starting to see, at least in their minds, that live sports programming, it could be a key part of its future. But again, the biggest thing is that it would be a streaming deal. What games could they show that we don't see on TV? You know, this if they really want to be an exclusive place for sports, they've really got to throw down Cheddar competing with the major networks. So... Apple has spent roughly $7 billion annually on original content, and they do have $200 billion. Like, they could buy content. That's that's not a question. But I, I'm still not um, subs- subscribed 
to Apple TV Plus. I actually, you know, I got that free, the free run. And then until basically Ted Lasso season three comes back, I'm, I'm going to be chilling right now. So it remains to see what, if they really want me, they, they're going to need to, um, you know, give me some of that NBA. But the New York Post reported that Apple had earlier at least entered discussions with Major League Baseball to broadcast games as well next season. So may, maybe that's a play. Who knows if they're going to get the NFL. But, I, but from what I recall, Amazon has already like established deals. And uh, Amazon's even putting on soccer right now. The English Premier League is on Amazon. And I think it's going all the way through 2022 to 2023. So Netflix over here, hey, we're, we're bumping up the premium subscription to 20 bucks. Apple still needs content to make us feel like it's worth it. Do they have good shows on there? Absolutely. But do they have enough? Not yet. But damn, Ted Lasso is amazing. Like, no one's going to deny that. Amazing. Um, You know what? I, I skipped around, but I do want to bring this up before we end the show. You know, we talked about a lot of future products. And I also want to talk about the AirPods Pro 2. Um, because I have been gone, obviously, at CESC. Sometimes my brain is scrambled. There are reports that new features we could see in the new AirPods Pro 2 would be lossless audio. In addition to that, a new charging case that could emit a sound for location tracking um, with a subtly new design. But then also, MacRumors got an image of what is purportedly believed to be a leaked next-generation AirPods Pro charging case. And it has like um, a little metal side like like a loop like a loop for it right so it's like a little metal piece and it has that like bar on it that you could loop things through it which then opens up the door of like oh man are they gonna just kind of open up another accessory market for the airpods pro 2 we saw what they did with air tags and this is just another way to make more revenue it also does help to me i'm okay with this because it helps the third-party companies that you know ride off of the momentum that Apple creates with their products. So could you get cool carabiners or hooks or latches or loops to put on your AirPods Pro? Yeah, if that's part of the design. So I'm all good with that. I think I think the other thing that's interesting is when you talk about lossless audio on AirPods Pro, you know, I had said in my review for the AirPods 3 that the driver in them, which they said was new, but they never would outright say, is it better than the AirPods Pro? I asked them directly multiple times. They never said it. They just said it was new. Because when I listen to it, I think that the AirPods 3 sound a little better than the AirPods Pro. I also think the AirPods 3's mic definitely sounds better than the AirPods Pro. So will they be using the same driver in the AirPods Pro and then delivering a higher fidelity file or allow that AirPods Pro 2 to process a a higher fidelity file that is lost, quote unquote, in, in air quotes, lossless? Let's just say higher quality enough. And will we be able to even hear that difference? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to really be able to hear a difference in lossless audio through something as small as AirPods. But that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll find out. But cool things about it, potentially lossless, uh, new design, new case design. Case can play a sound in case they're lost and a hook on the case. It's all about the case. But, but that's all we've heard about AirPods Pro 2 as well right now. So, you know, we just went through so much stuff. Um, you know, I'm glad to be back, kind of back in the regular swing of things. Thanks so much for being patient. 
CES was a blast. And thanks for all of you who've been following my content throughout the year. I mean, this is a new year. And so I think this is going to be another killer year. It, it is, again, to me, the year of the Mac, specifically with the MacBook Air. I can't say it enough. I guess I'll keep on saying it until they release it. And then when I review it, I'm going to say, see, I told you so. But that's going to do it for this week. Hey, remember, this show is all about you. We're back in the new year. Record a voice memo. Send it in, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Tell me where you're from, what you want to talk about. Yes, I know when products come out, that's when people start calling in more and talking more. But there's a lot to be excited about and a lot of buzz around what's coming. You got any thoughts about the Apple headset maybe being pushed out? Anything about the AirPods Pro 2? All this iPhone 14 chatter? Hey, let me know what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Send it in, record the memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. And then, again, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support the show. And we got to give a big thanks to our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Atari Koenigsegg. And thank you to all of you for continuing to support my content and keeping me going. And what? This is now a little a little over year three. Are we even more than... Oh my gosh. Am I going to hit year four soon? I think I am. Woo! That is crazy to think. So thank you so much, everyone, for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we all got caught up with everything that's going on, but so much, so much stuff, so much juicy stuff coming in 2022. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Take care, be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL. Peace.